1: This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. It's Canty and Carlin
2: on ESPN Radio, ESPN app. I'm totally, I mean, we said it at the top of the show, Courtney Cronin. I'm Randy Scott. We're in for the guys. Uh, I I find myself agreeing with Carlin more and more on these rejoints. You know, his philosophy on spoilers, his philosophy on shoulder drivers, all of it. I don't know what that says about me. I don't think think it says anything good. I don't. We're going to have to figure that out. You know who we can ask, though? How's that for a little... Little tease, little segue. As we presented by Progressive Insurance on this Thursday afternoon, and you can join the conversation on the CC call-in line eight 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 say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Fire out your last minute NBA Finals predictions. Who wins? Who's the MVP? What do you see happening? It's Chris Canty joining us, host. He's one half of this program on ESPN Radio at Chris Canty ninety nine on Twitter. Yeah. So, Chris, what does that say about me that I find myself agreeing with Carlin? Man, I'm. I'm 41, so I guess I'm old enough to be that that ornery, but I, I don't I don't feel it. I don't feel that age.
3: Well, listen, Carlin prides himself on being the everyman, and you're the people's champ, so I guess you guys are <laughs> going to see a lot of those things out of eye, but I want to <laughs> say one thing before we go a step further. You said I'm one half of this show. Yeah. Let it be known at 6'8", 340 pounds, I am the smaller half of Canty and Carl. Wow. Yeah, let it be known.
2: Okay. Yeah, we're just I'm claiming it. Get those numbers out there. Yeah. Get those numbers just out there. Go ahead and
3: go ahead and throw it out there. Yeah.
2: So we've been talking obviously game one of the NBA finals as we're taking people up to the start of ESPN's coverage on, on most ESPN radio stations at seven thirty Eastern time. What do you what do you see? What, what, what do you see from this? Because to to me you got a defensive minded team in the Heat, you got an offensive minded team in the Nuggets who are so well rested while the Heat might just have the momentum to counter that rest. I don't know. If it it feels very wide open tonight.
3: Randy, I'm excited for this matchup, man. And I get that it's not major markets. It's not necessarily blue-bud NBA programs. But, I mean, not to romanticize sports too much, but we are talking about a Cinderella in the Miami Heat, right? The underdog that everybody can get behind a team that nobody thought was even possible to get here. Think about this. This team lost their first play in game and they were three three minutes away from losing to Courtney's Chicago Bulls in the second play in game. They were down by three with less than three minutes to go and they somehow find a way to win that game. Gentlemen sweep the Milwaukee Bucks. They 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 they, they, they basically turned the tables on the New York Knicks and beat them at their own game. And then Against the Boston Celtics, they, they take them seven again for the second consecutive year, and they end up on the winning side of it. And that's a team that everybody preseason thought should be favored to win the NBA title. No, nobody thought the Miami Heat should be where they are. I mean, our very own BPI had the Miami Heat as underdogs in a series that they were up 3-0 in. The last round in the playoffs. It, it, it's baffling to think that. And now when we look at this series, I want to say the Miami Heat are plus 320 to win the NBA finals. I just think this is one of those situations where the sum is greater than the parts, where chemistry, where connectivity seems to trump everything else when it comes to the outcome that everybody should expect from a talent standpoint they're not on par with the denver nuggets but they weren't on par with the bucks they weren't on par with the boston celtics but it doesn't matter because this team just finds a way and i love the analogy that coach spo used uh coming into the nba finals he used it last round against the boston celtics he says his guys are like navy seals parachute them in anywhere they'll get the job done they'll stay on mission This team, it's something special about them where the sum is greater than the individual parts. Mm -hmm. They got four undrafted players in their playoff rotation. There ain't nobody in the NBA that's doing it like that. There's nobody in the NBA that's bold enough to try. But because it's so different and because we we live in a world where we're obsessed with with metrics and analytics and all of these things, the Miami Heat, the way they play, fly in the face of all of that, and that's why – it's an underdog that I think a lot of people can get behind.
4: Okay, so why don't other teams, outside of the obvious, it's hard to like beat LeBron James, to beat Kevin Durant, to beat all of these other teams with a group of undrafted free agents. But that's exactly what the Miami Heat have done in in this series so far and throughout this postseason. Obviously not those teams in the West. They'll have a chance to do that against Denver. But what do you think is the holdup of other teams trying to follow suit with this model—is it ego? Is it just the size of the superstar and super teams in the NBA? Because if it's working for the Heat, and it's not just now, we know this has been going on since Spo got there in the like you know late 2000s and in early 2010s. They've had success with this Heat culture. Why don't other organizations, franchises, try to get on board with
3: that? Because other organizations don't have Pat Riley, they don't have Eric Spolcher, they don't have Jimmy Butler. I mean, it's just that simple. I think to to sit here and say that this is a formula that can be replicated somewhere else is disrespectful to those three individuals. I was telling Carlin the other day, I couldn't believe this stat when I saw it. Pat Riley has been a part of 19 NBA finals. Guys, he's been a part of 20% of the NBA finals in the history of the association. Three as a player. Ten, <laughs> wow. I can't believe it's three as a player, ten as a coach, and six as an executive. It really is incredible. Then you have Eric Spolster, the guy that was the video coordinator that worked his way up the ranks in the organization to becoming one of the best tacticians, one of the best head coaches in the NBA. I mean, he's one or two on everybody's list. And then you have Jimmy Butler, who might be – I guess, one of the top competitors, not just in basketball, but across all sports in in terms of his dogged mentality. So I think the synergy between those three really set the tone for the organization, established a standard that everybody is held accountable to. And that's why I don't think it's something that you can replicate in other places. All
2: right, we're talking with Chris Canty on his own show. He is... Less than fifty percent. What, what do we? Where do we land on six eight three forty?
3: Yeah, I'm going to say it's forty nine fifty one. Right there, you go. Just there like you hey, go forty nine fifty one. I like... mean, my, my partner Carlin is the same height, whether he's standing straight up or you put him on his side. <laughs> <laughs> just like
2: all right, just like Ted Lasso, forty nine percent, right of what Rebecca. Uh, spoiler alert: forty nine percent of what Rebecca ended up selling there toward the end of the team. That doesn't really. It doesn't say much. She still held on to controlling. You know, asset. Don't give me that, Shannon. He's, he's shaking his head. We're talking math, man. This show wasn't about math.
3: We're not it, supposed to have math. We're not come on, yeah. Math. I was
2: told there would be no math. Um, all right. So, switching to, to the NFL and sort of dovetailing um, here, Chris Canty, the NFL with the Heat conversation. In the last hour. Courtney and I asked each other what's the NFL team this season that has the best chance of being the NFL's version of the Miami Heat. And it can you can take that any different way, man. It's like this choose your own adventure book, right? When we were kids. And for me I said, "Well, You know, the the Heat are coming out of the Eastern Conference, which to me is the AFC of the NFL, right? Because it's it's more top heavy. We all thought before the playoffs started it's gonna be the Bucks or it's gonna be the Celtics or it's gonna be the Sixers. Like the winner of the NBA Finals is coming out of the East. And all Miami did is represent the tougher conference. So I looked for an NFL team in the AFC that wasn't the Chiefs, wasn't the Bengals, wasn't the Bills. I landed on the Steelers because of Mike Tomlin's culture. I feel like they have a true culture in the NFL, which is hard with all the coaching turnover. So I, I, I give you that long preamble because we're kind of springing the question on you, but mm-hmm. but who is, in your opinion, the Miami Heat of the NFL this this upcoming season?
3: Yeah, I love, I love the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, when we start talking about head coaches, Mike Tomlin, he's top three, top five on everybody's list seemingly of head coaches. Nobody thought he should be over 500 last year, but he is. This guy never has a losing record. So I'm with you on that one in terms of sustained – Excellent, sustained success. Uh, I'm going to switch over and go to the NFC. How about the Seattle Seahawks under okay. Pete Carroll? How about the Seahawks? You know, okay. The Seahawks are one of those teams, you know, they, they, you know over the last half decade, they, they've gone through a lot of transition, moved away from the Legion of Boom. Uh, you know, they were in flux with Russell Wilson. But this is a team that finds a way to be competitive. They find a way to get into the dance, um, and yet they just can't break through and so I think this version of the, the Seattle Seahawks, um, an organization that does have a championship pedigree, I, I look at them as a team that has the opportunity to take the next step, especially given where uh, the NFC is, the landscape of the conference. I think there's plenty of opportunities. The teams at the top um, seem like they're poised to compete for championships, but you never know. Every year is different and unique unto itself. I, I look at the Seattle Seahawks as a team that has all of the pieces to be able to take a big jump from where they were last season.
4: And like you mentioned with Pat Riley, with Eric Spolstra, with you know players in the organization who either work in the front office now with um, Alonzo Mourning and Udonis Haslem still on the end of the bench, like that sustainability factor for the Heat is very, you see a lot of parallels. John Schneider has been with the Seattle Seahawks for two decades. Pete Carroll has been there a long time. I think the trickle down effect certainly uh, helps maintaining that sort of culture. All right, so when we talk about legacies, and I know that some people don't like that word because it can be so bloated and open ended. Big picture, when you look at Jokic or Jimmy, who would have more to gain by leading their team to a title?
3: Who I'd have to say it's Jimmy Butler. Not by much, but but it's Jimmy Butler. Um, Here's why. I I don't think anybody looks at Jimmy as one of the best players over the last decade of basketball. But all this guy has done is go to five All-NBA teams, six-time All-Star, NBA Finals appearance and had his team over the last four years in three conference finals. I I, I mean, we we don't look at Jimmy that way, and I know I get that he's bounced around, but I think this changes the perception of who Jimmy Butler is. He goes from being a fringe Hall of Famer to a no doubt, no brainer Hall of Famer with this title. And so I think it does a, I think it does a lot for Jimmy. People already look at Jokic as an all time great center, like one of the best passers the game has ever seen. I think adding the championship to his resume does legitimize or validate the back-to-back MVPs that he got a couple of seasons ago, but the inverse is also true with Jokic. If for whatever reason Jokic loses in the NBA Finals, it brings back all of the naysayers, the people that doubted the Denver Nuggets ability to have regular season success translating to postseason success, whether or not Jokic is really that dude, really the best player in the world, does he deserve that type of I don't know, those type of accolades, those type of flowers, I, I think those conversations get a lot louder. So while I, I, I'll i say Jimmy Butler sl- has the most to gain slightly w- over Jokic, I think Jokic by far has the most to lose if the, his team comes up short in the NBA Finals.
2: We're talking with Chris Canty, uh, 48% of Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio <laughs> and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Randy Scott, and for the guys. Uh, but going back going back to the NFL part, and I, I, I think about Jokic, and we sort of had this conversation earlier, and we were talking about you know where he falls if he wins this title. Is he top five NBA centers of all time? And I, I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe it's because his game is so far away from the basket. But I just, I think of a center as Shaq or Wilt or Kareem or I mean goodness, Bill Russell, uh, David Robinson. Like I, I don't know if anybody's going to crack top five. I mean somebody I guess has to. And maybe that's just the way the center position has has kind of evolved. But but going to, going to NFL, we we heard this sound from a guy in the Packers who. I don't want to say got left behind, but he was sort of Aaron Rodgers, you know, right hand man, or in this case, left hand man. He's a left tackle, David Bakhtiari, there in Green Bay, and he's one of the guys that Rodgers did not bring with him to the Jets. So he's probably watching Rodgers leave and looking at you know the new haircut, the new vibe at practice, and all this stuff, and maybe he's in his feelings a little bit about it. But he was talking about the Packers and and where the franchise is. So listen to Bakhtiari, and we had to bleep some of it because you know we're on the radio. But but here's what Bakhtiari had to say. <laughs>
5: we got a job to do. Like, we got a job to win. I know everyone would love to take the words that I said, but, I mean, it's, to me, flat out how I look at it, it's disrespectful to say you're not rebuilding off a Hall of Fame quarterback. It was disrespectful to say you weren't rebuilding off of Brett Favre when we moved to Aaron. No one knew who Aaron was and what he was going to be, so I'm not going to sit here and pull back those words. Because that is, when you look at how it's been built and how we were chasing after it and out the cap, there's a bunch of situations that can definitely allude to. it. We have a young team. With that, people go to the word rebuild on an extreme level, or you look at what it is. The beauty is I have no... Include. and that's the beauty of it that's what football is we're all batting a thousand come the first game of the year and we'll figure it out
2: i love mixing sports metaphors man get a baseball metaphor in there batting a thousand <laughs> talking about the nfl is he right
3: chris no he's not right no no he's not right it's not apples to apples in terms of when the packers transition from far to rogers um to now, when Rodgers, you know, they're transitioning from Rodgers to Love, the team is not in the same state. You're talking about a defense that has count them, eight first-round draft picks on that side of the ball. You also have an offense that drafted two pass catchers with premium picks in Luke Musgrave and Jaden Reed. So I I just I look at the weapons that Jordan Love is going to have to work with, the offensive line, if they're healthy, um, just the state of the division. I mean, guys, and Courtney, you know this because you're close to the NFC North, but the Detroit Lions are the favorite to win the division. They ain't won the division in thirty years. Literally, the last time the Lions won the North, you're talking about 1993. It wasn't even the North. So I just, I, I, I just, I, I, I can't get on board with the, the 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 expectation or the presentation that the Packers somehow are in rebuilding mode. When especially when you look at the division and when you look at the NFC, I just think that that's. That's the wrong way to frame it based on the talent base that they have. And they also have a quarterback that, that's been in the program for three full off seasons. This is Jordan Love going into his fourth year. Like this should not be a team that we have quote unquote rebuild expectations for. Now I get it. A lot of people are saying, well, are, are they competing for a championship? Is that the expectation? No, but I think they're closer to that end of the spectrum. Than the rebuild of the spectrum. If the Arizona Cardinals are the rebuild and the Philadelphia Eagles are competing for the title, I would say the Green Bay Packers are closer to the Philadelphia side of things than the Cardinals side of things. Just my opinion outside looking in. All right.
4: Okay, Okay, well there's a quarterback who just left a team that's now in some sort of a rebuild. That would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that would be Tom Brady. And the reason we're talking about him today is because all of the – Jimmy Garoppolo, foot injury, is he going to be ready for training camp? Is he going to play? Is there concern there that he might not be able to get through a season? Has brought up the idea that Tom Brady could somehow come out of retirement, maybe not, you know, finalize owning a share of the Las Vegas Raiders, but play for them in 2023. And, and he went on SportsCenter today. He said he's, quote, certain he's not playing again. Do you buy that?
3: No. I buy. Let me, no, let me say this. Do I think it's likely that Tom Brady is going to play again? No. I don't think it's likely. Ooh, that was, a, that I, was I, I, I a don't pause. I, I don't think it's likely that he'll play again. Do I think in a quiet moment of introspection will Tom Brady entertain the possibility once he's approved of a own, minority owner of the Las Vegas Raiders? Do I think he'll entertain the possibility? Yes, I do. I do. And poor Jimmy Garoppolo, he can't get out of the shadow of Tom Brady. It doesn't matter where he goes. Like he goes to San Francisco. There's rumors that Tom Brady wants to go play for the 49ers. He signs free agent with the Las Vegas Raiders. Then all of a sudden Tom Brady's going to become part owner. Like it's just, he can't get away from Tom Brady no matter how hard he tries. I don't think we'll see Tom Brady playing quarterback for the silver and black, but it's just one of those things with how passionate this guy is, how much of a competitor this guy is, and knowing as a former NFL player how hard it is damn near impossible to find that kind of challenge you know in everyday life i i, I don't know that this is a guy that that has got all of the football out of him it might not be an opportunity for him to play where it makes a lot of sense mm. but it's hard it's hard to quit the national football league we're all most of us are told that we can't play anymore that was not tom brady's cards he decided to walk away actually came back and played another year Decided that he's going to shut it down again. I can't say that he's all the way done with football because he walked away on his own terms. And I know those competitor fires burned deep. And I just, I, I can't say 100% that we'll never see him again. But I think it's more likely than not that we've seen his last snap.
2: He is Chris Canty. Again, 47 to 48% of Canty and Carlin on ESPN radio. (laughs) Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Enjoy game one of the finals tonight. We'll circle back uh, next week, see if we were right, okay?
3: Randy, Courtney, thank y'all for holding it down for us. Just keeping it between the buoys, just keeping it
2: between the navigational beacons. She is Courtney Cronin. I'm Randy Scott. Tom Brady, we're going to weigh in on the. I have feelings as a Raider fan and as a Tom Brady uh, not fan. I I think if you just be honest about it, we'll weigh in on Brady. After this word from NHTSA. Every day, there are drivers on the road who decide not to buckle their seatbelts. And some of those drivers will be ticketed by law enforcement. Some of those drivers who crash won't make it home. Buckling up is the single most effective way to protect your life in the event of a crash and make it home safely to your loved ones. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA NHTSA legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
0: This
1: is the Kantian and Carlin podcast.
4: You heard it there in Doug Brown's Sports Center update. Tom Brady, professional sports franchise owner, Tom Brady is not planning to return To the gridiron, at least as a player, because there's been some speculation about, with all of the situation revolving around Jimmy Garoppolo right now, that Tom Brady might come out of retirement, but he says that that is not true. He is going to continue on and gearing up towards his Fox career and all the things that come with being an owner, minority owner, of two professional franchises. Courtney Cronin, Randy Scott, hanging out with you on this Thursday afternoon on Kenny and Carlin ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. I need you to hear this because, Randy, I know that you and I are in the same boat. We don't believe Tom Brady and what he says about retirement and staying retired until we actually see it because he doesn't have a very good track record of staying <laughs> retired. Yeah, But he's making the rounds. He was doing a bunch of interviews today, and he said this about what he's going to do now with football with Jeremy Shap on Center earlier today.
5: I was very fortunate to play 23 incredible NFL seasons. So I think there's always a time to move on to other things and other opportunities. And uh, I think for all the NFL players out there that are preparing for the season, I know how much of a grind it is. I know the level of commitment it is, and it's really a year-round process. So if I was going to play football this year, I'd be working entirely different than the way I am now. Right now I'm catching up on some other priorities, which are much needed. And uh, I'm really looking forward to not getting hit anymore <laughs> and transitioning to other areas of interest. So uh, I got some fun things on the horizon.
4: Okay, so he might not be coming back to play with the Raiders or anybody anytime soon. When you and I were talking with Chris Canny a little bit ago, I aligned with his take that it might not be right now. He doesn't have all the football out of his system, though. I don't know if I'd put it off completely into the ether that he's never coming back, but he made some pretty valid points that at least, at least for now I'm believing him that he is not coming back this year.
2: He's 45. He'll be 46 by the time they put toe to leather, even on on the the preseason. I, I want to believe the boogeyman is gone. Um, I, I want to believe that that he's done. It's such a tough thing as a Raider fan. Just life, you know. Just living in general, you know. Like it's that it's that gif on uh, on Twitter where the guy's like. Holding up bleach to his mouth, or you know, and then he kind of smiles or pretends like he's going to throw himself off the balcony, or has a lighter with a, with you know, uh, aerosol. You're hurting right
4: now. Aerosol. That's what you're trying to tell us. You're hurting. Yeah, That's it's a Raiders.
2: Well, fan. it, it hurting because like it opens yourself up to all these jokes of, well, I thought Tom Brady already owned the Raiders. <laughs> you know, you get some version of that on Twitter just <laughs> over and over and over again, and it's not wrong. That's the thing. It's not wrong. He was like 6 and 2 against the Raiders in his in his career and uh, famously fumbled in the snow and his and his legacy is built on a rule so bad that was later repealed. Um he's right now as it stands he's the best quarterback in the Raiders building. That's what's frustrating. Truly is a 45-year-old guy who's been off of his NFL workout because he's right there is such a commitment, there is such a rigidity to your routine that you have to have in the post in the offseason I should say that enables you to continue to play at this high level. Say what you want about You know, Pilates and elasticity and inflammatory foods, you know, staying away from tomatoes and eating avocado ice cream. Like, whatever it did, man, it worked. It worked. And what isn't working right now for the Raiders is the most important position on the field and the most important position in, in major pro sports in this country. Like, they have a guy in Jimmy Garoppolo who is a punchline in his own right for being hurt all the time. And what did they do? They signed him after they... Knew that he had re-injured, or at the very least, whatever treatment he'd sustained on his on his foot injury from last season wasn't working. They knew he'd need another surgery, and they still signed him. And there's no rookie waiting in the wings. There's Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue, okay, but you know Brian Hoyer is the backup. Like this is this is eighty for Brady, but you know in terms of octogenarians, I mean these are aging football heads who have just retired to the desert. You know, I mean it's it's just. It's so frustrating that they can't get that position right in my opinion they had it as right as it has been in the last two decades by by having Derek Carr and the new coach comes in and ran him out you know his system was so complicated unnecessarily so it turned him into a turnover machine and now he's going to ball out with the Saints Mark my words he's going to put up great numbers with the Saints and instead the Raiders are going to cobble together a season with limited games from Garoppolo and and then whoever's you know maybe on, on the depth chart while Tom Brady looks on
4: and there's no timeline on Garoppolo. As far as we know right God now, me. there was OTA availability today, and Josh McDaniels knows the, the pressure that's on this franchise and at least the outside perception of, man, you guys really messed this one up by evaluating this guy, looking at his foot and saying, yeah, you're going to need surgery, but here's a big contract anyways. But according to Josh McDaniels, he said that he has, quote, no anxiety Over this situation, he can't worry about things he can't control, but he did say he has very good information that tells him that the Raiders will be fine. Now, whether you believe Josh McDaniels or not is one thing, but the (laughs) jobs are on the line. Josh McDaniels' job is on the line. Dave Ziggler's job is on the line if they ended up bungling this to a point where Jimmy Garoppolo is not able to play, and that the Tom Brady conversation would only end up becoming more, you know, something more frequent because if you had the chance to go draft a quarterback at seven. You passed on that because a month earlier you looked at someone, you looked at Jimmy Garoppolo's foot and said, yeah, this is going to be fine. We know that you're going to have to have surgery on it, but we expect you back for the regular season. And if that doesn't pan out, that might be one of the most boneheaded, for lack of a better term, moves any franchise has made to sign an injured player, knowing that that player's injury could prevent him from playing. Now, Will it come back to Tom Brady, that conversation about him potentially playing? It always does. And I know as a Raiders fan, I'm sure that that frustrates you and everybody else in the silver and black. But what's going to frustrate you even more is not knowing exactly what Tom Brady is going to do as minority owner of the Las Vegas Raiders. We know that he has a minority ownership stake in the Las Vegas Aces, the WNBA team. And some role in the Las Vegas Raiders, it became official earlier uh, in May, but we don't know exactly what he's going to do. So just listen to this word salad from the seven-time <laughs> Super Bowl champion quarterback Tom Brady about what ownership for of the Las Vegas Raiders in a minority state means for him.
5: Well, just that for the time being. Um, you know, again, I have a big responsibility with Fox. I'm looking forward to, but I also want to be involved in the NFL for the next 45 years of my life. If I last that long, I've been, I've made it 45 years. I've really enjoyed uh, the opportunity that I've had and to be uh, involved in an organization is a dream come true. I never envisioned that growing up, like I said, in San Mateo is this kid in Portola drive that would, you know, be playing football with my buddies all day and to be involved in the NFL for hopefully as long as I possibly can is a dream come true. So, you know, I've got different responsibilities at different times but this is something that I look forward to being involved with for the rest of my life
4: and other (sighs) happy things like that's just like different responsibilities at different times what are
2: they what are the different responsibilities
4: I think he's just a figurehead yeah. Wouldn't that make sense? I mean, you bring the guy in, I mean, it's supposed to like boost the fa- boost the franchise and the value of it. Wow, we have the seven-time Super Bowl champion quarterback sitting right here on the board of directors of this team. Must mean they're going to start following suit, but you'd probably want to get the quarterback position right and maybe not sign injured players as free agents uh-huh. and very lucrative free agents uh, the way that they did Jimmy Garoppolo definitely going to be keeping our eye on that to see Uh, when he's going to get back on the field but for now it's not going to be Tom Brady so he says under under center for the Raiders this year I actually don't know how he'd be able to make that work with that minority ownership probably
2: not it's just one of those times I miss Al Davis because he was such a grudge holder he would never have let this happen I'll say that
4: okay yeah, I mean, I, I cannot disagree with that whatsoever. <laughs> I feel like that would have, he um, wouldn't touch that one with the 10-foot pole. <laughs> and we can leave it right there. <laughs> all right, Ganny and Garland, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app straight ahead. Someone else who's good at holding a grudge. We're going to tell you exactly nice. who that is and what he said about maybe the greatest player of all time. That's coming up next, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
0: Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.
4: Katzie and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Courtney Cronin, Randy Scott. Okay. Hanging out for the guys on Thursday afternoon. As always, presented by Progressive Insurance. Now, I can hold a grudge with the best of them, Randy. I can take something that someone said to me years ago and have it be sitting there on the back burner. Love and it. Hold on to it and always have it be in the realm of conversation. So, like when I'm talking about somebody, yeah, they're so great, but this. Like I'm, i I respect people who hold on to grudges. I love it so long much. as they have like good reason to do so. Scottie Pippen, on the other hand, really <laughs> needs to let this one go. Yeah. He has been on a tirade the last couple of years. He wrote a book back in 2021 talking about his time with the Chicago Bulls and his you know relationship with his teammate Michael Jordan. Uh, I just – I have not read this book, but in it's clear, certainly not as much – you know, you, you didn't have everybody reading your book the way that you did watching The Last Dance, which he does not feel he was portrayed very fairly in. And there are people like Steve Kerr who has, have backed up that – that belief that Scottie Pippen got a raw deal there. But what Scottie Pippen said here on Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast is taking a grudge to left field and then running to the moon with it. Take a listen.
1: <laughs> LeBron will be the greatest statistical guy to ever play the game of basketball, and
2: there's no comparison to him. None. So does that make him
3: the greatest player to ever play the game? I'll leave that out for debating because I don't believe that there's a great player because our game is a team game, and one player can't do it. Like, i seen
2: Michael Jordan play before I came to play with the Bulls. You guys seen him play. He's a horrible player. He was horrible to play with. He was all one-on-one. He's shooting bad shots. And all of a sudden, we become a team and we start winning. Everybody forgot who he was.
4: Okay, so there's a, some truth in the overall statement, not the last part about Michael Jordan. I do think that the idea that a team game is important. We need to remember that. Like it's not just LeBron James is great on his own, but he didn't become he got where he was because he's had some help around him. All great players have. Michael Jordan did, LeBron James did, Stephen Curry did team game of basketball is important but what but he had the audacity to say that Michael Jordan was a horrible player and a horrible player to play with this it's hitting below the belt and you've got to wonder outside of some of the speculation out there that you know besides the teammate stuff you know news flash Michael yeah. Jordan being an ass to his teammates mm-hmm. is not new news Maybe some other things. Maybe his ex-wife dating Michael Jordan's son, Marcus, might have something to do with this and that he can't seem to get away from Michael Jordan. But the idea that Michael Jordan was a horrible player, I mean, it's laughable at this point, and I honestly feel feel bad for Scottie Pippen that he's going this route resorting to this level of going on everybody's podcast he can and speaking ill of a former teammate like it's just such a bad look for somebody who was so revered in the city of Chicago and the NBA as a Hall of Famer he doesn't need to do this
2: so okay explain the explain the the son relationship again so so
4: Marcus Jordan Marcus the Jordan eldest of the Jordan children yes is dating Larsa Pippen. That and is Scotty Pippen's ex-wife. She's of uh, real okay. Housewives of Miami fame.
2: Okay, so okay, I mean so Shannon says that's the second oldest son. Either way, second it's one oldest. of Michael Jeffrey, Jordan's. Jeffrey, I believe, is the oldest. The Scotty Pippen's ex-wife is dating one of Michael Jordan's children. Correct. Okay. Yeah, that adds adds a layer. That it's a layer. It is. It's a layer L A Y E R. Um that is something to uh, consider. I don't want to I, obviously I don't agree with Scotty Pippen. I do want to say that that is the first time I have heard that sound because scotty has been so out of pocket since the last dance. Um, you know, he had his own line of bourbon, I think, right. Wasn't he pushing? He, he sort of got into this, into the, the, the mixology game a little bit. Like he had his own line of alcohol. He was pushing for a while. So he did a lot of interviews off the heels of, of the last dance. Um, and so Scott has just been, he's been talking a fair amount and not all of it has been complimentary toward, you know, the star of those bulls teams. Um, but I will say it was important for me to hear that because he took a shot. To me, that's taking a shot at Jordan before they went on their title runs. And that Jordan was a difficult player to play with because it was all about him and he was hero ball and this and that. I don't agree with it, and I certainly don't agree that it was horrible. Um, I wonder, though, if there's a little bit more context than just the pull quote headlines, Courtney, you know, to get into your your expertise a little bit, like the pull quote, like, a, like, like the nut graph you know was about Scotty saying that Michael Jordan calls, you know, uh, that Scotty uh, Scotty Pippen calls Michael Jordan a horrible player. To me it was more horrible to play with. Did I have that right? Horrible
4: to play with though still doesn't stand up to the idea like Michael Jordan was not a great locker room teammate. I mean, I, and I hate to say that cuz he was a leader cuz he won this, he led this team along with Scotty Pippen to six championships. Yeah. I I get it. They probably had a lot of friction that we'll never know the full story about, but to put that word out there, horrible in any sort of realm around Michael Jordan is going to bring you this negative attention where it looks like you're yeah. 57 years old and holding mm-hmm. on to a grudge that again, I can respect people who don't let a dead dog lie Love and want to, you know, want this sort of smoke all these years later. But it just sounds sad. It sounds like somebody who is mad that he didn't get his roses in the Mm -hmm. last couple of years when we've learned so much more about the dynasty that was the Chicago Bulls. And there might be some personal... inflection in there too. Maybe he's not so happy about the fact that his ex-wife is uh, dating Michael Jordan's son. He just can't seem to get out of the shadow. Yep. That is the great number 23. Yep. Alright, straight ahead. What is more significant heading into game one? Heat momentum or the Nuggets rest?
1: Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on the ESPN radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.